Yes, hello. I am James Rollins, and today it's the Dublin Art 325. Yes, Happy New Year, everybody. It's the very first episode of 2021, but today this is going to be the sixth year for the Dublin Art Awards, and for the first time ever splitting up into NXT, WWE, and AEW. Today it's the final one, and it's WWE's turn, and we have the pleasure to be joined by Jaxie Scarlett. How you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you and everyone else as well. I'm doing good, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, very, very good. Uh, did you have a good Christmas? Mine was quite enjoyable. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was, it was definitely, you know, a first unusual one, but it was still very good. Yeah, I think without a doubt, it's going to be a little bit different this year. But what is not different, like I said, is the WNR Awards uh, that we are going to do later on. But first off, we're going to have a look back at uh, 2020 in WWE. And we're going to go back to the 27th of January, first and foremost, for the uh, Royal Rumble. Now, even look at these Royal Rumble results, it feels weird that it actually happened this year, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think with the fact that at, at the time that Royal Rumble came about, we were not aware of what was to come in the upcoming months. I think that uh, it was probably one of the more exciting ones that um, I've watched in, in the past few years. I think without doubt, and it was Houston, Texas. We had 42,000 people there. We had Sheamus defeating Shorty G and Andrade defeating uh, Humberto Carrillo on the kickoff. Roman Reigns defeating King Corbin in the False Count Anywhere match. Charlotte Flair winning the uh, 30 Women Royal Rumble last eliminated Shania Basler. Bailey defeating Lacey Evans for the SmackDown Women's Championship. The Fiend, Bray White defeating Daniel Bryan for the Universal Title in a strap match. Becky Lynch defeating Oscar by submission for the Raw Women's Championship. And finally, Drew McIntyre won by last limit of Roman Reigns in the Royal Rumble match. I mean, when you look back at that card, that is, it's pretty impressive. I mean, I think the, the, my favourite point for that overall has got to be Drew McIntyre. Uh, not only eliminating Brock Lesnar, but his performance in the actual Royal Rumble match. I mean, it's definitely got to be the number one uh, or, or top three moments of the night with it that happened within the Royal Rumble um when especially when it came to that pay-per-view I mean one of my shout out moments really was uh Bianca Belair being the MVP of uh of the Royal Rumble she might not have won it but in terms of the amount of eliminations she got she really was able to kind of showcase herself and I'm really glad that there was an audience there to be able to see her sort of come up to the main roster and be able to see her sort of debut into the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I think without a doubt. And uh, we saw a lot of NXT talent in the uh, Women's Royal Rumble matchup. And uh, we talk about moments to remember the Men's Rumble. We talk about uh, Rock Lesnar putting in a hell of performance, you know, being there for like 30 minutes before he's getting eliminated. But of course, the return of Edge. Dominating throughout all of it. I mean, I you know, a lot of haters on Brock Lesnar, but you can't really doubt what he put into that Rumble matchup. No, he put his all into it, and it's very impressive, even when you go back and watch it now, for someone to kind of keep up with the amount of people that were all solely focused on just him whenever they got into the ring. It's um, it's incredible at how long he, he really did last. Well, obviously McIntyre eliminate him, and then we had... The, well, I mean, because a lot of Royal Rumbles, and I think we're coming round to Rumble time this year as well, and we all get excited and, and wonder who the surprise entrants are going to be. And I think mm. uh, 2020 Rumble delivered probably one of the most shocking surprise entrances of all time. For sure. And of course, we're talking about Edge making his return now. Do you think Edge should have won the Rumble that day, or do you think McIntyre was the right choice? 
No, I, I I do think it was the right choice not to kind of um, shove that type of responsibility onto someone who was returning, just uh, especially as someone as big as Edge, um, knowing that uh, full well that everyone knows um, what he's gone through and and the issues ha- his the constant issues he's had on his neck. I don't think everyone was like expecting him to be going on and becoming champion, you know, all within the same year of his return. Like you know, baby steps. You know, we all want to see him you know have have a decent uh comeback and 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 you know in ter- in terms of circumstances aside uh you know be healthy and and not be out injured and and giving him a responsibility of winning the Royal Rumble would mean you know like a heavy schedule with heavy matches uh daily leading up to uh you know uh WrestleMania so i think it was uh still right that Drew McIntyre won and i wasn't mad at that at all no, I think without a doubt, I think Charlotte winning the women's one was maybe, um, was it the right decision? No, I, I'm, no, 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 it wasn't. It was. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't. I just in case anyone else has continued to keep hearing um, me on, uh, uh, you know, Charlotte and think that I've got an issue with her. I don't. I think she's a brilliant wrestler. But I hate how much she shoved in our faces. And the this was, again, one of those moments that she did not need to, in my opinion, obviously, um, I, I felt like Shayna Baszler had more spotlight. And I felt like she overall should have been the one to have won the Rumble. Um, it obviously didn't go that way. But again, I just don't think it needed to be Charlotte. She just nah. wanted that like that extra thing on to add to her notch because she's not like a like a grand slam champ so she needs she like in my opinion it's like you know they, they just gave it to her because they're like oh do you know what charlotte you haven't won this yet so why don't you win the rumble this year because you need to add that to your list if you want to become a grand slam you know it's, yeah uh, and then and now with it like you know if we go you know fast forward to right now her being a current tag team champ that's another one they just gave her do you know what you just came back after six months we'll reward you we'll put the title another title on you you haven't had this one yet there you go you know I just is she doesn't need it. Her, uh, her talent and her name alone just shows how much she can handle herself in the ring. She doesn't need to be in every title picture or winning every award. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say on the piece. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's just Charlotte rant out of the way there. Uh, but like yeah. the the Royal Rumble. But the Rumble event itself felt at the time we didn't know what the rest of the, uh, the year was going to be like. But I think it set us off on a, on a great path, especially with like McIntyre winning and the kind of returns that we had. I gave that a nine and a half out of ten. And my match of the night was the men's Rumble, which I do truly believe it was one of the best men's Rumble mm-hmm. matches we've had in, in a few years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I get, I'd give it a nine out of ten, and I would have said the men's rumble was overall the the match of the night as well. I mean, that shocking return in itself just blew it out of the park. I think we're out doubt. And then we moved on from that to February twenty seventh in Saudi Arabia, and again, I forgot this had taken place this year. Uh, the OC Gallows and Anderson defeat the Viking Raiders on kickoff. Remember those two teams, and then we had the Undertaker defeating AJ Styles and Charlie Bobby Lashley at Rowan and R-Truth in the Turquoise Mountain Trophy gauntlet match. Uh, the Miz and John Morrison defeating the New Day for the tag team titles. We had uh, Angel Garza defeating Humberto Carrillo, Seth Rollins and Murphy defeating Street Profits, uh, retaining the Raw tag team titles. Mansoor defeating Dolph Ziggler. 
Brock Lesnar uh, decimating Ricochet. One minute, 34 seconds. Um, <laughs> Roman Reigns defeating King Corbin. Bailey defeating Naomi. And, of course, Goldberg defeating The Fiend. Bray Wyatt in two minutes and 56 seconds for the Universal title. Okay, so I'm going to be honest with you right now. I did not watch this pay-per-view, but I did watch the highlights on YouTube. So I highlights. saw... Uh, <laughs> I say highlights, but, you know, that's what they just call it. You know, this, this is not my word. This is YouTube's word. They were the highlights. Um, <laughs> so I just remember... But all I remember is seeing Ricochet getting buried. Um, and I think... Yeah, I remember seeing the Bray Wyatt getting buried as well because I was just defeated already. I knew nothing good was going to come from this pay-per-view, to be honest. I don't think anything good has come from the Saudi Arabia shows. When you, uh, you know, Goldberg dropping the Undertaker's on his head, uh, Kane's mask falling off, Triple H getting injured, just everything that's happened. The blood money for Saudi Arabia is is the curse, you know what I mean? I feel like issue that i have is that like when it comes to these pay-per-view events like uh pay-per-view events that are held over there it's all matches that are to appease uh that audience and it adds nothing to you know what wwe have been doing or or building in terms of storylines at all if anything it just demolishes it so for me i just feel like the continuity is not there when it comes to this pay-per-view and it's just it's it's not something i'm interested in and yeah i mean i i heard all of the um wrong things about this show that happened and i just wasn't impressed so i i'm glad i didn't watch it well the thing is is that we put on the WNR, put super show down and put it together with the elimination chamber which uh came out on march 8th uh super showdown yeah. was was probably one of the worst shows that i've ever seen a seven and a quarter out of ten miz and morrison versus the new day was the best match on the card on what was a basic awful card and then like they say elimination chamber march 8th um again elimination chamber is a bit like tlc i think if i use it right uh, i think it can work quite well you know when there's a kind of like yeah. a number contendership match and stuff like this uh, we had mm-hmm. the viking raiders defeating kurt hawkins as that rider on the kickoff daniel bryan defeating drew gulak by submission andrade defeating carillo for the united states title the Miz and John Morrison defeating the New Day, uh, the Usos, Heavy Machinery, and Lucha House Party, and Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode in the Chamber match for the tag team I titles. Like, I, I like I like what um, Simon Miller from What Culture calls Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. He calls them Rudolph as their as their uh, tag team name, and I really like it. I think it sticks. I really think that they should consider having the team name <laughs> as Rudolph. They are missing a trick for Christmas as well with the little jumpers. <laughs> yeah. We had uh, Alistair Black defeating AJ Styles in a no DQ match. Uh, that was probably Alistair Black's last victory of the year, looks like. Street Profits yeah. um, defeating Seth Rollins and Murphy for the Royal Tag Team titles. Sami Zayn, uh, Nakamura and Cesaro defeating Braun Strowman, three on one for the Intercontinental title. And then the Elimination Chamber match for the Raw Women's Championship match at WrestleMania was Baszler defeating Natalia, Liv Morgan, Oscar, Rupert Riot and Sarah Logan by submission. Uh, to be fair, it's a long time ago. I don't remember a lot about the event. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, so I, I do actually remember a couple. I remember the Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak match. And that was the first time that uh, I actually realized that Drew Gulak has something special. Um, 
it was a really, really great match. And I felt like Daniel Bryan just really worked so well with him, as he does with everyone when he works with them in the ring. But that was one of the matches that did stand out for me um, that I remembered off the top of my head. And it was really, really good. Um, and again, the only other sort of match I really remember from it is the actual Elimination Chamber, the Women's Elimination Chamber, um, because Shayna Baszler ruined everyone. Yeah, Baszler eliminated everybody there, uh, which... Really, really impressive because Basil mm. was really, really hot at this point as well. It looked like she was going to face Lynch, you know. Major, major disappointment uh, as to how the storyline didn't progress. I do feel like, as you just brought up, that had to take a, a backseat uh, with the current news that we got with Becky Lynch. Um, however, I also felt like this was the beginning of the of the end of where they just started to dip with Shayna after this mm. because they had built her up so much and especially with her winning this match I was extremely disappointed with then what was to come shortly after well it's even the yeah bite in her neck and I know they've done that on AEW recently but yeah. you know Baszler's doing yeah, it yeah but that was a bit more understandable from the character like we yeah. all know Shayna Baszler is not a, a cannibal she's she's you know she's a badass fighter and wrestler so, you know, just showcase her that way. You didn't need to showcase her <laughs> in that type of way. So, yeah, they just went down the wrong route continuously with Shayna after this. And it's such a shame because at this moment, um, when she won the Elimination Chamber, I was really hot on her. And I was like, she's got something special here. I think there's a lot. I mean, because it's even like Gulak and Brian, their interaction where Gulak was doing the training videos and Brian yeah. was trying to you know, help each other out. And I think there's a lot of stories that they even just, didn't even go through or just kind of forgot about and, and moved on. There's a lot of these on the card that I look at and go, oh, these two guys, you know, it's like um, Andrade defending US title and feuding through there. And you think, well, we haven't seen them for a few months now, obviously due to injury. But it's like Gulak getting on the card. I mean, Gulak was even on WrestleMania. We had WrestleMania 36, uh, April 4th. Of course, it was the first WrestleMania uh, without any fans in attendance. Um, do you think yeah. it affected the event overall, switching it to a two-night inside the performance centre as opposed to what, what it should have been? Sorry, say that again. I, I, you cut out shortly, um, so I couldn't hear all of what you said. I was saying, with WrestleMania, obviously it affected mm. it not taking place in the one night in a big arena. But looking back yeah. on it, I, I think two nights actually worked quite well. I agree. I felt like it was, um, you know, especially for the people over here in the UK, it it felt like it was doable to be able to stay up and, and watch. And, you know, everyone who's a wrestling fan in the UK are going to want to stay up for WrestleMania. But, you know, when it goes on for five, six hours, it, it is really painful for us UK to stay awake, especially if it's not a good, uh, a good, decent pay-per-view with, uh, you know, hyped up matches to keep us entertained. So um, I think it definitely worked and it's something that they should still consider even when we do get uh, they, we do get a chance to have audience back in seats. I think that they should strongly consider if they're going to have, you know, a really long match card for WrestleMania and keeping it at two nights. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. The first uh, part one for WrestleMania, we had Cesaro defeating Gulak in the uh, kickoff. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defeating the Kabuki Warriors for the Tag Team Championship. Elias defeating King Corbin. Becky Lynch defeating Shania Basler for the Royal Women's Championship. Sami Zayn uh, with Nakamura Sosawa defeating Daniel Bryan for the IC title. John Morrison defeating Jimmy Uso and Kofi Kingston in a triple threat ladder match for the Tag Team titles. 
defeating Seth Rollins, Braun Strowman defeating Goldberg for the Universal title, and the Boneyard match, Yantaker versus AJ Styles. Yep, that, now, was a, that was a pretty stacked match for the, for, for the first part, for the first night. I mean, it's a bit weird that we had the, uh, even though it was my match of the night for the, for the first part, to have Joe Mo, mm. Jimmy and Kofi in the ladder match for the tag team titles just shows you how much WWE don't like the tag team division. Yeah, I mean that is that was it is very true. I mean, there was definitely no when you go back to sort of attitude era, like you look at the WrestleMania event and like some of the most exciting cards on WrestleMania were the tag team events that were happening, and that's when you had the likes of you know the Dudleys, the Hardys, Edge and Christian, uh, TNA, all of those like really strong, strong and solidified, legit tag teams that you you actually could see all being powerful not knowing who's going to be able to win the titles and stuff when you look at what they did this uh this year uh, or sorry last year now um with uh just teaming Kofi and Jimmy together it was highly disappointing because it just really showed how much they were just like oh yeah just fling them together you know but i i think also like we talked about there's a couple of things uh with happening due to COVID crisis and everything going on. Roman Reigns, of course, uh, was mm. Goldberg for the Universal yeah. title. Well, it might have been, you know, Reigns versus The Fiend, but I think this is why we went with Super Showdown with The Fiend losing. Of course, Goldberg couldn't face yeah. Reigns with Strowman. Um, mm. Strowman finally got his Universal title reign. Uh, do you think it did him well? Do you think it was a good thing? Or do you think it didn't really make a difference? Because personally, I think, like, they gave him the title, they said, there you go, and then you're going back to where you are on the card now. Do you know what? I think that when he, when Strowman did win it, I felt like, okay, he, we, now we've got a chance to actually showcase what this big guy can do because we all know he can do it, but we all know that like he's been limited at what he's been able to do. Then they just kind of, and and it's not even his fault, but they just kind of flopped it. Every storyline that they gave him as a champion was mid-card level at most. And it just did nothing for him but make him look very weak. So it was really difficult for anyone, I think, to fully be behind him as a champion, which is such a shame because I think, you know, um, given the right, and if, if it was much better, I think... He could have been a real powerhouse that could still be a, a contender in this current day. But right now, I don't see him being a, a another contender for the likes of Roman Reigns, who's really on a hype and on a run right now. Well, I think, you know, watching wrestling for the amount of time and, and seeing what they do with Braun Strowman kind of reminds me of like a big show. But the fact is, they've got this guy... Yes. You know, very big, but if they they don't really want to go just full out monster because then they have to you have to have him beating everybody and they don't want him to do that. So instead, it's a kind of like an upper mid card. Uh, but the problem with that, then you switch from face to heel. I mean, because even Braun, since losing the title, he switched two or three times. I'm sure where we've seen him mm-hmm. on Raw the kind of like you know baby face and the interactions he's had have been quite healy. Uh, and I feel with, with the Braun character, it's like you got to stick or twist, otherwise he'll just get lost. And it's not saying the big show hasn't had a successful career. It's just, you, you know what I mean by that. Yeah, I know. I, I, I have to agree with you completely on that, though. Like, um, if we were to compare, you know, sort of the way that they're using someone like Vaughn Strowman, big show is definitely um, the best uh, or most similar in comparison. 
I think without a doubt. And then, of course, the main event for the very first night was the um, Boneyard match. What were your thoughts on AJ Styles and the Undertaker's apparent last match? Okay, so um, I mean, this this match for me is the one that probably saved uh, the the whole night on that first card of WrestleMania. Um, it, not in terms of like you know all of the matches were bad, but it was the only match where I was like real excited um, and just kind of like enjoyed it, had fun with it. Um, we all knew that it was going to be some sort of cinematic type event anyway. Um, so I was kind of like expecting dramatics. And to be honest, I think that. AJ Styles works so well with anyone so him and the Undertaker just really kind of worked well with each other in that match and I overall enjoyed it a lot the thing is is that watching the match and you know what they did with it I've I've really really enjoyed it Uh, and what I felt I'm a huge fan of the Undertaker and it probably in the Undertaker's mind as well and what I've I've seen since then from him is saying the chances of him having another match that was as good as that now it's probably not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen in the ring. I know we wanted, you know, Sting or to even to see him against AJ in ring. And I think maybe yeah. it's the best decision for him to go, let's go out on a high, you know, riding off into the sunset, so to speak, on his bike. Yeah. Uh, and I think, like, the promotion all kind of before it and after it, alongside Undertaker's Last Ride documentary series, was just so brilliantly put together, so well put together. Um, you know, for someone um, as, you know, myself or even yourself um, who have been veterans of wrestling from even when The Undertaker was in his hype days. Uh, it was just overall an emotional sort of uh, piece to watch as well, knowing what we were seeing in in the Last Ride documentaries. Yeah, I mean, I think the Last Ride like documentary is his best thing on the network because I've seen that. Go and check it out. And I think mm. a close second is the uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin Broken Skull Sessions with The Undertaker. Because, like you said, to be a fan of The Undertaker for that amount of time, as as we've had, a lot of people have, to see the other side that we never thought we'd see. Well, I think it was a little bit scary at first, but now it's just fantastic to see him, you know, talking about the the old days, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Anyway, we move on to night two, uh, that's April 5th. Uh, we have Liv Morgan defeating Natalia in the kickoff. Charlotte Flair defeating Ray Ripley for the NXT Women's Title, which of course was the right decision. Uh, Alistair Black defeating Bobby Lashley. Otis defeating Dolph Ziggler. Edge Did you defeating... just say that to wind me up? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you just said that to wind me up. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that in a minute. Edge defeating Randy Orton in a last man standing match. The Street Profits uh, defeating Anger Garza and Austin Theory. Uh, for the Royal Tag Team titles. Total five-way elimination match for the SmackDown Women's Championship, won by Bayley. Uh, the Fiend defeating John Cena in the Firefly Funhouse. And then McIntyre defeating Brock Lesnar for the WWE title. Was there anything that second night that might have annoyed you then? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, first of all, can I just say, I understand the circumstances as to why Charlotte Flair won the title. Okay? I'm just going to put it like that. However... Ah, oh, they just had to give her something else again and put her on another show. That really salted me. That, that, that I think that brought night match uh, night two down for me because of it. But overall, though, I have to admit that it was one of Rhea Ripley's best matches. She looked great. She was dressed like Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z, and I was all here for it. I got super excited, and I just think to myself, if Rhea hadn't had um, issues with her passport, then she would have actually won. 
Um, mm. And that's the one thing that I take from this match is like, if she didn't have problems, Rhea would have kicked your ass out up, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the thing that, that I, I take from, <laughs> from that match. We um, I should say as well that uh, we talk about feuds that we've forgotten. And of course, Otis and Ziggler's a feud that is kind of never going away. There's still kind of reaction mm. to each other now. Uh, that yeah. feud w- was was massive uh, where, where it happened. And of course, Edge defeat Randy Orton. Um, there's a lot to be said about Edge and Randy Orton. Of course, the feud that they've had. I felt mm. the WrestleMania last man standing match was a little bit too self-indulgent i feel it went a bit too long yeah i agree i think that uh it was the it was the one match that for me even though I, i'm a huge edge fan and i take nothing away from that and this takes nothing away from that it was so long it it was uh kind of that feeling where i felt like should i just turn off now and finish watching when i actually have some sleep or not i really contemplated it and um i just really felt like it was I don't understand why it needed to be as long as it did. No, it was just one of these things. Like I said, I, I was staying up to see, obviously, I think everybody in Britain as well, you know, for McIntyre to face Lesnar. And I think mm. uh, at that point in time with the Edge Orton match, it just felt too long. And thank God we had the Firefly Funhouse, which, again, personally, I enjoyed that more than the, the Boneyard match previous night, just because of how great Cena and uh, Bray were in it. Yeah, see, um, I I would say it's the other way around. I'd still think that the Undertaker match, in my opinion, was, was better. However, I I wasn't entirely impressed at seeing John Cena coming back because I'm not I'm not the hugest fan of John Cena, but but I was intrigued to watch it, and I must admit that they oh, they really surprised me with this because I, I'm really one for watching things and like trying to kind of work out like the deeper hidden meanings behind it, and I just felt like. Bray was allowed to let loose um, in that match and, and the way that they handled it. And it was overall great. I think without doubt, you know, when, when it's one of the moments of the year, especially with it, the amount of re- reaction it got for Cena wear like a T-shirt. And it's something so mm-hmm. simple like that, that just sent so many people crazy on Twitter. Uh, and yeah. obviously McIntyre defeating Lesnar, it was bittersweet because obviously... You know, there was no fans there. It was before Thunderdome. Everyone would have really wanted oh. to have um, seen that, in my opinion. Like, you know, especially with the hype that he got from winning the Royal Rumble. It definitely was bittersweet um, for for not just us as the audience, but for him, um, who was, you know, just just about to actually get the biggest win in his career and was and not even being able to celebrate it with fans so I really truly felt for for Drew in that time as well especially because you know being um kind of in the UK and stuff for us it was a a real good win and I would I know that a lot of people from the UK would have loved to have been there to have watched that match live yeah I think without a doubt and his little reaction in the camera after one as well I think was uh Mm. really really nice and I think it was anybody that deserved it uh, more than he did. Uh, my rating for that was 9 out of 10, and the match was the Firefly Funhouse for night two. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I um, I would probably put it as an 8, mainly due to Charlotte. Sorry. And <laughs> I would probably actually say that the uh, Drew and Brock match was my favourite, just because I was excited to see that belt get taken from Brock. Without a doubt. Uh, we move on to our next play for Money in the Bank, May 10th. Uh, we had Jeff Hardy defeating Cesaro on the kickoff. 
We had the Fatal 4-Way Tag Team Match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, the New, New Day defeating the Forgotten Sons, uh, Miz and Morrison and Lucha House Party, Bobby Lashley defeating R-Truth in a singles match, Bailey defeating Tamina for the SmackDown Women's title, Braun Strowman defeating Bray Wyatt for the Universal title, McIntyre defeating Seth Rollins for the WWE Championship, and then we had the both Money in the Bank matches. We had Oscar defeating Carmella, Dana Brooke, Nia Jackson, Baszler, and then we had Otis winning against AJ, Alistair Black, Daniel Bryan, King Corbin, and Rey Mysterio. But of course, instead of a normal ladder match, the uh, suitcase was hung by uh, corporate towers. And again, we had another cinematic match. Um, with Money in the Bank, I think the one thing that stands out for me is the Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins match when we talk about an in ring perspective. Um, I don't remember that much. That much. <laughs> Well, it's one of those um, where it was it was Drew's kind of first, you know, proper total defence, and Seth was saying he was the man, and uh, these yeah. two men really, really brought it. And I think McIntyre showed that he can hang with someone. I think as good as Seth Rollins. I feel like my memory is that bad because the only matches I really remember for Money in the Bank are the two Money in the Bank matches. What were your thoughts? Because I thought it was uh, relied maybe on a bit of slapstick now and again yeah. but I don't think it's oh, too definitely. bad I mean do you know what I enjoyed it for what it was you know I thought it was definitely different and they definitely tried something different with the sort of like you know making it into a running up the corporate tower thing so I really liked uh their um uh the, the fact that they were trying something different the throwing people off of the roof as if we we're supposed to truly believe that uh Corbin just killed people uh just didn't work for me um so those parts didn't work um, I know that Vince even did the jump himself. I'm impressed he could do it, but at the same time, I don't think it was needed. Um, and the overall, the, the the Money in the Bank men's ladder match was a real sort of letdown with the way that they handled the finish. Um, and ultimately, the women's Money in the Bank ladder match for me was match of the night. It was it was the most entertaining with enough slapstick in to keep it humorous, but not what in my opinion deem stupid um and you know oscar just was the mvp throughout that whole night she was great well you know not many times in WWE get the, the so you know pick the right winner in one money in the bank match and pick the wrong one in another one because we wrote this with the crowd not there uh for what it was i think they knew they made a mistake as soon as it kind of happened uh but yeah. money bank still wasn't too bad i gave it an eight and a half out of ten my match was mcintyre versus rollins yeah i'm gonna give it a six out of ten and I, i'm gonna say that it was the women's money in the bank for me we move on to backlash uh which featured the greatest wrestling <laughs> match ever uh we had Apollo Crews defeating uh, Andrade for the US title on a kickoff. Bailey and Banks defeating Bliss and Cross and the Iconics in a, a triple threat tag team title match. Sheamus defeating Jeff Hardy. Oscar V. Nia Jackson did a double count out. Strowman defeated Demiz and Morrison in a handicap match for the Universal title. McIntyre defeated Bobby Lashley for the WWE title. And of course, 45 minutes long, Orton versus Edge. Greatest match ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I remember this uh, pay-per-view. I uh, I must admit, first of all, the the one that surprised me the most uh, was the U.S. title match because I thought Apollo Crews and Andrade did really good in that match, um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, it was always fun seeing Sasha Banks and Bailey um, defeat uh, in that in the tag team match. You can't go wrong with the Iconics, and it's one of their last few matches together as well. 
Um, yeah, Oscar versus Nia Jax pissed me off. I'm definitely going to say that. I, I'm so sick to, but I am really sick to death of WWE and their incessant need of either a DQ or a rolled-up pin every other match. It's just, it's exhausting. Like these women, but both are great wrestlers in their own mind, and they can go at it, and you can actually give one of them a clean pin. But at pay-per-views, I've just started learning that WWE don't want clean pins because they want to continue carrying on those at other pay-per-views. It's just pointless to me. Uh, one of the things we should say as well is, of course, after Oscar won Money in the Bank, uh, she was awarded the WWE Women's Championship because, of course, Becky Lynch was uh, yeah. pregnant at the time. Do you think WWE yeah. has missed Becky Lynch this year? Um, I'm going to say no, and that could that can be seen as biased. However, I, I must admit that it wasn't just Becky Lynch that carried um, WWE or the company for uh, the, the first few months that she was there. Oscar was doing her own thing at the time with Kyrie as well, and I think that WWE handled it really well with who they gave it to and how they how they decided to approach the situation, especially allowing Becky to kind of be the one to sort of make that announcement herself. So I think it was really well handled. I even liked the storyline that, you know, Nia Jax was coming out saying she's being handled it and stuff. But the the overall result um, really annoyed me. You know, these are two high-end women and they got an eight-minute match and they could have gone out a lot uh, for a lot longer and it didn't need to be a double count out in my opinion. So I that's ultimately what let it down. I think the, I think edge, that the women's sorry, division has sorry. suffered. Yeah, sorry. I don't think the women's division has suffered since uh, Becky's departure because I do think that not just Oscar, but other women in um, you know, NXT and SmackDown as well have been carrying the company really well. Bailey is another um, example of that. I think the thing is the women's division is probably the strongest it's been overall in NXT and WWE. Mm-hmm. But like I said, Becky Lynch is a kind of main event megastar. And I think Mm -hmm. the difference between Lynch in the women's division and I I think Charlotte would be on this level as well, where they're treated as good as the top men are, you know. So I think that's maybe slightly different. But again, that's why with Oscar it gets annoying because you know how good she is. And yet she's never really put in that position to kind of show. Again, it's it's a whole whole other thing. We've seen this year. the main event for Backlash wasn't too bad. It wasn't the greatest wrestling match ever, but it no, wasn't No, they too put bad. way too much pressure on it to kind of be that. And I think if they'd have just kind of allowed it to have been what it was meant to be about, like just overall feud of hatred between two men, um, two ex-partners, two ex-friends, you know, that sort of thing. There didn't need to be this whole sort of underlying story of, so this is supposed to be the greatest match ever or something like that. You know, when they added that into it, it, it came across a lot more entertainment um, than it was going to be about sort of like feuding. Um, so, and again, I don't think it needed to be 45 minutes. <laughs> so no. um, I, I thought the match overall itself was good. And I think considering what Edge has been through and, and his comeback, I think that he, he did so well, like to be able to participate in a 40 minute plus match. Um but it didn't. It wasn't needed, and he probably well, but, wouldn't have been yeah. injured if, it, um, like you know, this resulted in an injury for him. It probably wouldn't have resulted in that if, if they hadn't had such a long match, and he probably could have been featured maybe in one or two matches more at this side of the year. But he was sidelined because of it. So to me, it just kind of, yeah, sucked. 
that said, they they reshot the uh, the match and during the 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 reshooting of it, he injured himself, so they actually had it yeah. sorted out. But because he had said it was the greatest rest of the match ever, obviously they had to try and make it as good as possible. But it's just kind of one yeah. of those things. Uh, we move on to the horror show at Extreme Rules, which was July nineteenth. Uh, we had on the kickoff Kevin Owens defeating Murphy. We had the tables match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, which was Nakamura and Cesare defeating the New Day. Bailey defeating Nikki Cross for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Seth Rollins defeating Rey Mysterio in an eye for an eye match. Uh, Oscar versus Sasha Banks ended in a no contest. McIntyre defeated Dolph Ziggler for the W title. And Bray Wyatt defeated Braun Strowman in a Wyatt Swamp. Uh, the eye for an eye match was, I mean, they again, it's WWE painting themselves into a corner because it's like the wrestling, uh, you know, the greatest wrestling match ever. How are you actually going to get an eye for an eye? And the way they did it was just so. I mean, Rey Mysterio has not had a good few months, you know, getting thrown off the top of the mm-hmm. WWE headquarters and then losing an eye. Um, it probably wasn't the best. I think the the match that stood out for me on that show was again McIntyre versus Ziggler. You knew Ziggler wasn't going to win. But uh, he, you know, all the little shortcuts, knowing McIntyre so well, McIntyre getting the, the definitive victory, which I think he deserved. Yeah, um, I I have to agree with that. Um, I I really wasn't impressed with the with the I versus an I match. It really just, uh, yeah, Seth versus Ray, anything to do with them. I I really I'm just so over it. I never seen need to see those two in a ring again. Um, and to be honest, I think. I think the one thing that was like a bit confusing on that pay-per-view for me was the uh, Oscar Sasha Banks match because I I really liked the way that it went about with you know Bailey sort of declaring herself as the referee and then counting her out but I also felt like it was a little bit sloppy so like and in terms of writing not the not the women themselves in terms of the writing so it. I feel like uh, this pay-per-view was a bit of an up-and-down one for me because there'll be highlights from each match that I thought was really good, but then <laughs> everything else would let it down. Yeah, that is the story of WWE, really, isn't it? At this moment <laughs> yeah, time. yeah. Um, I'm going to give that an 8 out of 10. My match of the night was McIntyre versus Ziggler. Yeah, I'll give it a 7 out of 10, and I'd probably say that it would be the Oscar and Sasha match. Right, move on to the biggest party of the summer, August 23rd. We had Apollo Crees defeating MVP. On the kickoff, we had Bailey um, defeating Oscar for the SmackDown Women's Championship, the Street Profits defeating Andrade and Anger Garza for the Raw Tag Team titles. Mandy Rose defeating Sonya Deville in a loser leaves WWE match. Seth Rollins versus uh, Dominic, obviously Seth winning the street fight. Oscar defeating Banks for the Raw Women's Championship. McIntyre defeating Orton for the W title and The Fiend defeating Braun Strowman for the Universal title. And I think, if memory serves me right, that was when Roman made his big return as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was about to say, didn't um, Roman come in at the end of that? Um, yeah, I, I kind of liked how this, match, uh, how this match card went in terms of the women's division because of it. Like, it, this was when we were really getting like the, the sort of penultimate storyline happening between Bailey and, and Sasha um, from Bailey winning the SmackDown uh, title to uh, Sasha losing the Raw. Um, so we all knew what was kind of going to be coming straight after that. And I think a lot of people have been waiting and were eager for that to kind of go on to it. 
Um, also, obviously, with everything that had happened in the sort of week or two leading up to this pay-per-view and um, what happened with Sonia Deville, um, I think a lot of people kind of knew or presumed that she was going to be taking some time off. Um, however, regardless as to Mandy Rose defeating Sonia, I felt like this was both of their, uh, both of the, uh, both for both women, it was their best match in terms of highlighting what both women could do. Um, and I really did kind of believe the uh, sort of like storyline with them. So they both worked really well with each other. Um, what do you think? Well, I loved the the Bill and um, Rose storyline. I think the way they build it with Otis and Ziggler involved, and and uh, you know uh, Rose siding with Otis in the moment. I forgot to mention one of the feel good moments of WrestleMania was obviously yeah. with Otis and her, and they just yeah, dropped yeah. the ball. And I don't know if it's yeah. a case that they didn't know what they were going to do. Or, you know, they, they stopped in their track or whatever it was. It just kind of feels like Vince was like, we've given notice everything. Let's be a cunt and just take everything <laughs> away from now. Like, that, is, it, that is exactly like kind of what I can see Vince doing. Let's take away his tag team partner. Let's split them up. And let's take his, his girlfriend too. And then let's just like have him lose his, his money in the bank opportunity in wrestler's law. Uh, but so, it's, yeah, it's, just, it's it's even a Mandy thing though of the kind of you have this storyline for X amount of months nearly a year and then you don't yeah. have anything for her once the storyline is over and then you pin her with Dana you put put her with Dana Brooks so you split up a tag team to just put her with another person it's like it's, yeah, it's, you know you need to make your mind up on whether or not you want tag teams as a tag team not going for singles or if you want to keep them as tag teams, like stop splitting up those who originally are coming into this as a tag team. Like back in the day, that's what it used to be. Like, you know, those who came in as a tag team, that was it. You're in the tag team division, you know, like, yeah, you can have your one-on-one matches and, and stuff like that. That's what helps build towards tag teams. But I mean, when you're, when you're, <laughs> when you're at this type of position with WWE you have not got that many women's tag teams and yet you've brought in the women tag team belts like you need to solidify those that you have and then they went ahead and split up not only Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville but even the Iconics who were Mm -hmm. do you know what I did not like them until they were split up and then I realized how how good a duo they actually were together you know it Um, it feels like that it feels like they make tag teams just so WWE can split them up sometimes as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, oh, this is and a good they did tag it with team. The Riot Squad too, and then put them back together, and it's just like, okay, <laughs> how long are they going to be together again? <laughs> um, talking about SummerSlam, Seth Rollins versus Dominic Mysterio. Uh, again, a lot of people were saying this was an awesome match. It was a good match. It shouldn't have gone for the maybe amount of time it had, but uh, again, Dominic showing, you know, what he can do, but. I'm always going to say because of the obviously the Rey Mysterio connection. I, I don't know. I don't know about stuff like that. It felt more gimmicky than anything else. Uh, McIntyre yeah. versus Orton, I think, delivered a, a great wrestling match that I wasn't actually expecting. Mm, yeah, I mean, the one thing I want to say is I want to give um, a, a lot of rec- uh, commendation to Dominic Mysterio because not only was he sort of making his debut into the WWE company, um, but he had to do it with, you know, no fans. So that that's pretty hard, especially when you are the, the son of someone as famous as Rey Mysterio. With it being against Seth, I was not interested. But 
I think Dominic actually came across really good in the match. Um, and I think it was good for his match. However, storyline-wise, I just did not care for it. <laughs> but I think my thing is about this is, is the fact of, like, David Flair. He never made it because his dad was Ric Flair. And I think there's certain yeah. wrestlers where if your dad is with Randy Orton, his dad was Bob Orton. A lot of people go, oh, we know Bob Orton. But really, where was he compared to the history of superstars? So when Orton, yeah. you know, he can go, right, let me do this. But when you're Mysterio and you're one of the greatest high flyers of all time and changing generations, Dominic has got to be, you're never going to be compared right. I think that's why maybe it helps out people like Charlotte, because at least it's a different, not talk about gender or something like that, uh, as opposed to anything else. I think you, you know, always... You know what I think is actually the problem with it? I, I understand exactly where you're coming from, but I feel like it's not even Dominic's fault. It's the fact that they, they keep reminding us he's Rey Mysterio's son. They have not only Rey Mysterio always coming out to his matches, but his little sister and his mother coming out to all of his... Like, no, what... what other like other sort of second or third generation wrestler have you ever seen that come out with their parents Charlotte Flair once or twice at big WrestleMania events when the crowds were still there and Ric Flair would come out as that like if she was the heel like it made it made sense but with Dominic Mysterio why have you got to have his little sister and his mother out there why are you putting his little sister into a really awkward fake relationship because everyone who follows her on Instagram could see that she's in a relationship with her high school sweetheart and she's still only 19 and yet you you kind of still are forcing this kind of right let's get all of his family involved situation like this uh, Dominic's downfall because he cannot show off who Dominic is because the Mysterios are out with him so it's a yeah, Mysterio yeah. event and, and that is the issue with it you know I would completely agree with you there. Uh, I think with SummerSlam, Banks versus Oscar was my match of the night. I'm going to give that rating a 9 out of 10. I really enjoyed SummerSlam. I enjoyed SummerSlam a lot as well, so I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. And just like you said, I'm giving Oscar versus Sasha um, my match of the night too. Well, as we spoke about at the end of SummerSlam, Roman Reigns making his return and absolute destroying Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt, and he would headline the payback pay-per-view, which was just seven days later. What were your thoughts on the mm. pay-per-view happening a week after the biggest party of the summer? Honestly, we, it's not it. It was never needed. It was never needed, and I feel like it was a pay-per-view that was, again, kind of just forced on us. Um, however, um, I am not going to deny that I really enjoyed seeing our tribal chief back in action. <laughs> Without a doubt. Well, we started off with the Riot Squad uh, defeating the Iconics on the uh, kickoff show. Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin defeated um, Apollo Crews. Singles match. Oh, with Shelton Benjamin. Sorry, I can't read it at the moment. Uh, Big E <laughs> defeating Sheamus. I can remember all these, honestly. I've not got it written in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Riddle defeating King Corbin. Basler and Jax defeating Banks and Bailey for the uh, women's tag team titles. Keith Lee defeating Randy Orton clean as a whistle. Uh, Rey Mysterio and Dominic defeating Seth and Murphy. Uh-huh. And Reigns <laughs> defeating the Fiend and uh, defeating the Fiend and Braun Strowman for the Universal title. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, again, first of all, can I just say? Uh, we don't need to discuss the Mysterios match again because, uh, again, unneeded, unnecessary, unwanted. So, I mean, that putting that aside, um, 
the best highlight for me was Keith Lee's match. I just thought, you know, it could have gone on longer. I was a little bit disappointed at how uh, quick it went, but he just really came in and just uh, dominated, really. And I think it was the best way for him to come in. Um, let's not go into the downfall of what of everything after. Um, but again, WWE do this all the time. It's, it reminds me of the Shayna Baszler situation at Elimination Chamber. You you build someone up. It's not even a long match, but it's a great match. And then after that, they drop the ball with it again. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's kind of like we talk about the the fifty fifty booking of you know they won this week, they'll lose next week, and no one gets any momentum. But uh, Lee versus Orton was my. Uh, match till the night. I gave it an eight and a half out of ten, and it was great seeing Roman Reigns come back and, like I said, taking his rightful place at the head of the table, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, I would have given it. I give it a seven point five, and I think the other thing that um the other little highlight that I'll give is the women's tag team championship because even though I really was not impressed with having you know what we were getting a, a quite exciting sort of bit of promo between Nia Jax and Shayna Jaser potentially feuding having Nia Jax taking out Shayna's friends like Marina and Jessamine Duke however then they're teaming up together I still wasn't mad at them winning the titles and that was purely because I knew the events that were to take place shortly after was Bailey versus Sasha and this was like you know where we were expecting things to lead so Sasha needed to lose that one and only belt that she had left. Um, and having Bailey, uh, the one that tapped out to Shayna, um, was the best way to do it because then like, there was more incentive for Sasha being pissed at hell at ba- Bailey losing her only title at this point. Well, we move on to Clash of Champions, which was September 27th, and it was our first one together. How long ago does that seem? It feels like we're doing it for years. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> well, uh, on the card, we had Nakamura. Like Cesaro. <laughs> yeah. We'll see, if, we'll see if we can remember any of this one. Uh, Cesaro yeah. and Nakamura defeating Lucha House Party for the tag team titles on the kickoff. Sami Zayn defeating Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles in a ladder for the IC title. I do remember that one. Oscar defeating yeah. Selena Vega. Uh, Bobby Lashley defeating Apollo Crews for the US title. The Street Profits defeating Andrade and Angel Garza. How many times did they have title opportunities? Oh, gosh, they did. <laughs> uh, it was just ridiculous. It's like WWE forgot that they had actual tag team. Wayne <laughs> backstage just sitting on the bench. I got Oscar defeating Bailey by disqualification. Uh, Drew McIntyre defeating Randy Orton in ambulance match. Reigns defeating Jey Uso by a technical knockout. Mm. Yeah, I think overall that Clash of Champions match it wasn't the best of pay per views that I'd seen of the year. Um, however, uh, the one thing that the one highlight I have to give it was the Roman Reigns and Jey Uso match. I think that that match really saved the whole pay per view in itself. Um, and it just it was it was kind of an emotional one as well as just you know really exciting for someone to see someone like Jay Uso in such a big sort of position and being put into a main event like that. Yeah, and also like so credit to the Intercontinental title, the ladder match, Zayn Hardy and yeah. AJ Styles absolutely putting their bodies on the line. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, and that Ma- awkward nastiness with the with Jeff Hardy in his ear. Oh, I yeah. don't need to see that again. We both picked Reigns versus Uso as our match, and I, I gave it an yeah. three quarters out of ten. You gave that a seven and a half. Yes, because of every other match was just really a little bit disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> we move on to October 25th. Hell in a Cell. 
Uh, and of course, we had our truth defeating Drew Gulak for the 24-7 title. Roman Reigns defeating Jey Uso in an I Quit Hell in a Cell match. Elias defeating Jeff Hardy by DQ. The Miz um, defeating Otis for the Money in the Bank contract. Banks defeating Bailey by submission in Hell in a Cell. Lashley defeating Slapjack. <laughs> and Randy Orton defeating Drew McIntyre for the WWE title. Yeah, um, again, we didn't need really need the rematch of Randy versus Drew McIntyre. Um, so that for me was a bit of a letdown because I felt like, you know, we could have gone a different route with Drew at that point. There didn't need to be, Randy still didn't need to be in picture, but, you know, Randy always wants to be everywhere. So whatever. But obviously that was the night that Sasha won the title off of Bailey, And um, it was a great match uh, between both of the women. I think that they both put their all into it. Um, and it was probably one, um, one of their best matches together. Yeah, I think the three Hell in a Cell matches at Hell in a Cell were fantastic in their own rights. Mm. Uh, of course, we had the story of Raymond Reigns and Uso again. Of course, yeah. uh, the wonderful war with Banks and Bailey, And even the Hell in a Cell match, uh, Orton needed a victory. And, and even though I never wanted him to, to win, he, he needed it. And I think the right man won. And I was even pleased where McIntyre won it back, uh, what, three weeks later, was it, on Raw? Yeah. Because, you know, this is the thing. I can see why Randy had won, but I also was just like, I don't... uh, Again, I feel like Randy is like the the male version of Charlotte where I just feel like she's forced in her face so much. Like, look at how many pay-per-view main events Randy Orton headed this in this in 2020. Like that, that we just don't need any more from him, and so I'm not going to even go into all this stuff that he's doing right at the moment. But all of it is not needed. Uh, I don't need to keep seeing him arguing with Alexa Bliss each week. Like, just move on. Like, Orton needs to take a break, in my opinion. However, like you just said, one of the best matches came from Roman Reigns and Jay Uso again, second pay per view in a row, um, where that I Quit match was just absolutely incredibly amazing. Yeah, I gave that uh, Hell in a Cell pay-per-view an eight quarter, and my match was Banks versus Bailey. Uh, yeah, um, I can't. Well, who did I say my match was? Was uh, it Jimmy? Was it? Was it? I think I. I'm not sure whether or not I said it as Roman versus Jay. Well, I think Roman versus Jay was your one. There. I think it was. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to Survivor Series. Uh, the Miz won a 18-man dual battle royal. Team Raw defeated Team SmackDown. Uh, straight sets when it was that one there. Keith Lee, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, Riddle, and AJ coming out on top. We had the Street Profits defeating the New Day. Of course, that was Champions versus Champions. Uh, Lashley yeah. defeating Sami Zayn. Uh, Banks defeating Oscar. Uh, then we had the 5-5 five five women's uh, match where Team Raw, Jax, Baszler, Lana, Lacey Evans, Peyton Royce defeated down oh i just remember the awful finish for that one and then uh roman reigns versus drew mcintyre where thanks to jay's interference and mcintyre passing out then of course we had the untakers farewell yeah um yeah like you just said i just need to pick up on the ending of the women's five on five survivor series really pissed me off um you know I get it. There was points where I just really hated what they were doing with Lana's character, but just everything, the, the way that it was handled throughout the whole match was just really unimpressive, in my opinion. Um, I really enjoyed the Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre match. I thought that was really good, and I thought they both like uh, showcased each other really well. 
um, as well as I think Sasha and Oscar could fight in ma- in a match every pay-per-view and I would never get bored. Yeah, well, your match of the night was Oscar versus Banks. Mine was McIntyre versus Rain. You gave it an eight out of ten. I gave it a nine and a quarter. And then we last pay-per-view of the year, which was, of course, TLC, December 20th. Uh, we had Biggie, Brian, Gable and Otis defeating Corbin, Zayn, Cesaro and Nakamura on the kickoff. We had Drew McIntyre defeating AJ Styles in a TLC match for the WWE title with The Miz cashing it in unsuccessfully. We had Banks defeating Carmella for the SmackDown Women's Championship, The Hurt Business defeating The New Day for the Raw Tag Team titles. Oscar and Charlotte defeating Jackson Baser for the Women's Tag Team Championships. Reigns defeating Kevin Owens in the TLC match for the Universal title. And then Randy Orton setting The Fiend on fire in the Firefly and Randy Orton just literally fucking up everything at the end of 2020. <laughs> he's just full, <he's> <laughs> fuck it, I'm going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I literally, do you know what, That to have that end TLC really angered me. I really wish they'd have like had that before or something. I know why they had it at the end because obviously fire and yeah. inferno and the way they did it. But I wish I wish it just didn't happen. I wish it didn't happen at all. It like I can't comment on that match again, so I'm not even going to try. But Roman Reigns and uh, Kevin Owens that was such a great match. Um, a lot of the matches on this pay per view were really really good. Um, and I really enjoyed them. And even though I don't want to talk about she who must not be named. I really enjoyed the tag team match with Oscar coming out on top for the tag team. I think without a doubt, our, both our match of the night was Owens versus Reigns. Yes. I gave that a 9 out of 10 and your score of that was an 8. So looking back on WWE pay-per-view in 2020, even looking back on 2020 with WWE, how have you think they've done looking back on the shows? It's It's been 50-50 in my opinion. I feel like, you know, there's been some booking that has just worked brilliantly and executed really well. Um, and then that there's the other half of it where it's just it's really not worked um and so they've dropped the ball with some stuff as as well and in my opinion I think uh, sometimes the continuity with WWE lets it down overall I'm I'm hoping I'm pretty I'm really positive that you know this year uh, we could get to like 80 20 when when it comes to the pay-per-views let's stay positive yeah well let's hope uh like i said wb in 2021 can deliver but looking back especially with covid and everything they had to deal with i think especially towards the end of the year uh especially when we start together wb have improved i think and the, the shows you know look at tlc and survivor series and the cell i think they've been better as the kind of years gone along and i think you know that's that's no secret with uh w kind of getting used to it as well you know yeah definitely all right, so now it is time. We've just looked back on the year, and now it's time for the sixth annual WNL Awards. And like we say, it's the first time ever we're splitting them up into separate categories since they. It's the last one. It's WWE's one. Both have, we can both have a take on the WNL Awards. Of course, you've heard of the WNL Awards before. I mean, they're one of the biggest things in wrestling and podcasting. Of course, of course, it is. So we're going to start off now, and our very first award. It's a very special one. It's the Johnny Gagano Award for most punishment taken in a match. Now, the reason we hand out this award is back in 2017, Johnny Gagano was teaming up with Tommaso Ciampa to take on uh, Officer Payne. And not only did he get destroyed in the ladder match by Officer Payne and end up losing, Ciampa then turned his back on him and destroyed him. Uh, and since yeah. then, we handed out an award to a guy who's taken the most punishment. Uh, I will go out the first one just to get us on our way. Um, okay. My... 
my award nominee, my winner for this is none other than Kevin Owens. <laughs> Me and you have the exact same answer. <laughs> I, just, I mean... I mean, just uh, the only thing that we could say is just go back and watch the past two weeks, uh, two weeks worth of SmackDown episodes and then maybe even TLC. And you'll see in the space of three weeks, this man has taken so much punishment. It will well, be shocked if he actually turns up. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. The, the beating he took on SmackDown before TLC was was bad enough. And then the absolute yeah. whooping he took at TLC, and you're thinking, oh, my God, I mean, take a day off. But no, he walked no, into he that didn't. steel cage match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really didn't. And even after he still didn't come out of that steel cage match, he still came back again and got met with steel chairs. Just just give up, KO. Take a breather. <laughs> yeah, this hello. And then... This one's for you. And then obviously he fought on the first SmackDown of the new year. Let me get thrown off a stage for 10 feet and let yeah. me continue this tradition. So um, I think yeah. Owens definitely deserves more this year. Yep. <laughs> uh, next award we're going to hand out is the tweet of the year. What has been your favourite tweet from a WWE superstar or just in general this year? Okay, so I mean, this is, is this is answering your question in both. So my overall wrestler of the year for tweeting is, has been Bailey. She's just been great. Um, and my tweet of the year is was Bailey to Natty. And I think Natty was trying to do some sort of witty comeback because she had pinned her or made her tap to the sharpshooter. And Bailey said, um, you know, I say it would have been an honor to have been in a match with you with such a veteran, but I'm not a liar. And I just cracked up so much <laughs> to that. So, so Bailey gets my award for that. <laughs> My tweet of the year is um, from an actual AEW guy now. Uh, oh, really? But... No, that's not fair. I didn't know that. I was I was hoping to do AEW. No, well, but no, let me hear. It's an AEW star. It's Miro, uh, obviously former oh, cool. Rusev, who joked about okay. teaching his wife Lana the pin- pinning combination she used in a victory over Nia Jax on Monday After. Night Raw. Um, okay. I've got to say, usually I don't, you know, but I saw it. I actually laughed out loud. He said, yeah. I taught her the pin last night. We both won. Congrats, wife. I think Miro <laughs> to be watching the W product uh, and to use that. And I just yeah. think it shows his great sense of humor. Yeah, that's, that is good. I do want to give a special shout out to um, my AEW nominee wrestler of, you know, just great tweets, which is MJF. He's such a cunt. I love it. <laughs> well we talk about that and we move on now to our internet's most loved can do no wrong or internet's most hated can do no right and again and i don't you having a go at me for this my internet's yeah. most hated can do no wrong is aew because oh, my okay, internet my internet's most hated can do no right is vince mcmahon <laughs> Well, I mean, I've got um, Internet's most hated as Lana. Um, and I don't even think that's her own fault. I feel like it's more with the way that WWE has, have booked her. Um, but I put most loved as Billy Kay because everyone just really is rooting for her and just wants her to get picked up. No, I do love Billy Kay. My, my thing is with the Internet's most loved is the thing is with AEW is that AEW do a lot of good stuff. But mm. they also do a lot of bad stuff. And they had the worst AEW pay-per-view in their history. What was it? Six months ago now. And the, 
uh, the when Matt Hardy got injured and it was just oh a yeah oh yeah up. yeah yeah that one. And um, the next day we did a poll going, what were you rating this? And they were saying, oh, this is the best paper you ever. This is excellent. They wouldn't even like critique it. You know, so oh, this happened, but it was a perfect match. And, and also every week we do like a what is a better poll and what is a better show, AEW or NXT every week. And AEW always come out on top. And now I'm not saying it's because they might be doing a better show, but I just feel with AEW fans, they're so protective. And if you say something, I do to them, find that, and I'm I'm a fan of of both, and I I, I feel like I have both a, a sort of critical stance on either as well as a passion for both. Um, but I do find that it's either one or the other with everyone else on Twitter, and I don't understand why. Well, you could say something like, "Oh, I think they need to work on the women's division in AEW." Well, fuck off, then. What the fuck do you know about AEW? Is that well? <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying it. <laughs> I'm just saying it's my honest opinion. Well, no one asked you for it. Oh, I'm sorry, Twitter. Yeah, exactly. And this is the thing of like with Vincent Mann. Obviously, we had the Twitch shut down and and everything happening yeah. and and the releases and everybody's going, oh, that Vincent Mann. Oh, god damn it! And everything's done badly with treatment of you know Keith Lee yeah. or or Baszler yeah. or, and we're going, oh, Vincent Mann. And yet all the good stuff that's happened, like Roman Reigns and McIntyre. We're not saying, oh, that's down to, yeah, that's not down to McMahon. That's down to X or Y, you know. So I just feel, I just think fans should get over themselves, you know. Get get over it. (laughs) Can you guys get over yourselves a little bit? We all should, you know, myself included. So I'm saying this to myself too. Thank you. Um, We move on. support and love this year. (laughs) Yeah. So we move on to our next award and it is promo of the year. Okay. Now, this one's a difficult one for me because I don't know if there's been any kind of outstanding singular promo. Mm. So I'm going to give it to just one guy who I think has delivered on the microphone since he's returned this year. Okay. Uh, So my one is going to be Roman Reigns and his heel persona. And maybe not just on the mic, but during matches. Like I said, the J matches, uh, 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 Clash of Champions and Hell in a Cell were work of Mm. arts because of what Reigns and even the Owens interactions of what he's saying during a match. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't sure completely what you meant uh, by promo. So I thought you kind of were on about, you know, like any sort of um, one that's really kind of stood out to you from, from a wrestler that, that he's done. And so I, I chose edge um, because I felt like, you know, every time he's, he's done a promo, he's always aced it um, and he's always uh, been great and, and done it with conviction so that's kind of what I thought you would meant from it. So, so I'll go with Edge. No, that's what I'm saying. It can either be, uh, this is what's so great about the WN Awards. It can even mm. be a promo that you've heard and you've gone, oh, that's the one I'm going to pick. Or if it's just someone who's done that. I mean, there wasn't one for me this year. I mean, there's been no pipe bomb, has there, like, uh, for, yeah, for a little no, while. Really. I just felt like um, every promo that Edge has, has delivered or had delivered during the year of 2020, he just... Uh, knocked it out of the park every time so i've given that award to him yeah i think without a doubt uh we move on now to a, an old school style award it's the manager of the year who has been the best manager in wwe this year so i mean this might not be a popular opinion to someone like vince mcmahon but i will still give her credit where due and selena vega was the best manager of, of last year in my opinion you know on mic and even just kind of backing her words up and getting in the ring even if she did get herself beat on sometimes 
uh, she just always delivered every single time, even when she was on commentary. She was great. I don't think people realised how important Selena Vega was. Uh, mm. Like I said, we've, we've been watching NXT on WNF for years. And yeah. It was a guy who was just, it wasn't a nobody, but you could see what direction it was going. And then Zelina mm. Vega coming in and completely changing it up. And you thought they've got momentum there. And it's kind of, it's a real shame what's happened because we, we you and I spoke about her um, when she faced Oscar and saying there's so much potential there and, yeah. and what she can do in a role. Uh, she worked from that kind of manager to kind of in ring performance. She had all the talent there. Yeah, she really did. Um, I think if she, if she had, more time to grow within the company she could have been definitely a contender for sort of like top um wrestler within within the company for this year um if if she was continuing on with that push it is a real shame with how i feel she was ran out of the company that's how i'm putting it um you know just because of the fact that she she was making it you know quite popular with her gaming with her twitch tube if anything they just did her a favor and they made her even more popular um and i'll, I'll forever be gutted for wwe as a company because they lost a great asset in selena vega yeah i completely agree with you uh my manager year is someone a bit more traditional and i think it's a guy this year who is always delivered my manager is mvp now i know mvp is yeah, still a big talent Selena Vega and mvp with me as well so i have to understand i do understand your decision there well this is the thing of course you know when he was wrestling first time around his u.s champion and maybe never made it to level a main event but there was something that just screams kind of cool. And we've seen it with the Hurt business uh, and the kind of the black and gold, the way he's talking, the way he holds himself and the way like uh, we we're talking about of saying that these guys have had work great before. They just got to realise how great they are now. And we've seen it with Benjamin yeah. and Alexander and Lashley, you know, three guys who are not known maybe for the promo skills. Uh, yeah. Give it to MVP and MVP there. And, he's, and the, the other thing I like about it, he's, he's not taking away the whole spotlight. No, he's not. And I feel like if anything, like you, I really agree with what you said, like that you've got three really naturally talented uh, wrestlers uh, in Benjamin, Lashley and Alexander, all that might not be there, there yet with the, their mic skills, but given MVP to them um, has done like such good, just, I feel like as overall um, for all four of them, they've had a better year since uh like this whole hurt business has, has come about yeah I, I think the hurt business is is one of the things that you know there's a lot of negatives going on at the moment but i think in wb that's something that they can make really special uh if they protect them and and, and work it correctly you know i, I think there's a, a lot a lot of potential uh with yeah. that one our next award is commentator of the year so who is your commentator of the year I'm going to have to say it was Mojo. He's just like, he's kind of like an Eddie Kingston on commentary. I just think he's great. Half of the stuff that he comes out with is what I'm naturally thinking anyway. And he just always makes me laugh. So, yeah, Smojo, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I love Smojo. He was definitely on my list. Uh, but a guy I'm picking is, is a guy who I think is quite underrated. And obviously we've got Michael Cole, who's the voice of WWE and, you know, with Corey Graves on SmackDown. But I've got to say my contact here is Vic Joseph. Because Vic Joseph on NXT. Is, uh, is he on NXT? Doesn't he do WWE stuff as well? I think he does as well, but he's been he's been doing um a, a bit on um NXT as well, hasn't he, as of late, or am I wrong? 
I think he's been doing a better. I, do you know what? I, my joke is on here is Tom or Todd Phillips because it's uh, yeah. I always remember Tom Phillips, no Todd Grisham, and it was like a conveyor yeah. belt of these weird looking dudes. They just get off and go right. Oh, you look the kind of same as these guys. Why don't we put you here? Um, yeah. I'm gonna say Vic Joseph. Is he even if he is a majority of NXT? I think he's got the voice of the, the the voice he's got and and what he can do. I feel he's gonna settle in. Uh, very very well for that Michael Cole spot or even the kind of lead yeah. on Raw at this moment in time uh, I yeah. think Joe if I'm going to say WWE I'll probably split yours with Joe outright but I think Vic Joseph is a guy because sometimes with their voices I'm Josh Matthews and Impact Wrestling but sometimes their voice can annoy you a little bit and I think with Joseph because yeah, t- I t- I mean, of Michael Cole was up there with me yeah so uh, well, anyway, that's commentator of the year. We move on to comeback of the year. Who made the biggest comeback in 2020? Got, I mean, like, no offense to Edge, but it's got to be Roman Reigns for me in terms of like the continuity. Like, you know, his whole demeanor as soon as he came back, he came, he went away halfway beginning of the year as as one character came back, a completely new character, and has just taken dominance since then and he's just done so well so my comeback of the year is Roman Reigns well if you're going Reigns I will go for Edge to make the comeback because (laughs) he was swerving fans even the build up to the Rumble uh, which made it so special uh, when it Mm. finally happened and I am the biggest McIntyre fan there is but even when Edge came down I thought I hope Edge wins the Rumble here Uh, and it Mm. was such a nice moment it's a shame injury uh, got in the way, but let's hope Edge can come mm. back and actually have a run uh, like he should have done this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm really hoping that he will um, actually have a bit more of a longer run, longer and more successful run um, this year. But, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that. Right, right, we move on to Holy Shit. We've got Holy Shit 1, which is good, and Holy Shit 2, which is bad. So uh, I'll okay, say my... Are connected. Yours connected? Yeah. Right, go on, you take it away then. No, uh, okay, fine, sorry. I didn't mean to take your spotlight there. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, so, holy shit, as in good, I am going to say The Fiend, because as soon as he was revealed, and um, all of these sort of Firefly Funhouse payoffs, I was extremely overwhelmed and excited to see what Bray Wyatt was coming back with. So I think that that just kind of really um, embodied it. But then the holy shit bad is The Fiend getting burned. You just killed that character. What are you doing? Okay, well, my holy shit good is the fiend on fire. That's what I thought was holy shit good. (laughs) (laughs) Why? How would he... I'm sorry. I mean, I don't want to, you know, talk about how long both of us have been watching wrestling. But I can't remember watching a man being set on fire and them selling it. I mean, it's the way they sold it. I was like, it was, oh my god, you you gotta stop it. You, you really think he's he's on fire? You think Randy no, was, was just I was done just that? Like, at my call the whole time though, just telling him to calm down. Oh, I just, <laughs> it was just one of those moments where, you know, when like you have to put your disbelief aside for wrestling. You know, when you've got like yeah. either a parent or a friend will walk by as you're watching it, and it will be yeah. fiend on fire, and they'll just look at you and go. What are you doing? You go, this is wrestling. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it, it gets the biggest WTF moment for me as well. <laughs> it was just like, holy shit. And if we talk about a bad moment, weirdly enough, it featured The Fiend as well, uh, because it was a Fiend versus Goldberg from Super oh, Showdown. 
and yeah, if you you can't sacrifice the fiend you talk about the fiend character and everything it did and then in february having a man who you know probably ring posts more than he does wrestlers and beating him for the universal title and i know people are saying well it would have led to roman reigns well if you enjoy that so much look forward to wrestlemania this year then you know but i feel like the fiend um the fiend was good when the character so crazy being set on fire and yet so bad but you have an old man beating him in a couple of minutes yeah i agree definitely i i I want to change my answer for the holy shit bad even though i still do think that the thing getting burned in my opinion is bad um i do want to change it to uh the goldberg fiends because it was just ridiculous well this is the problem isn't it when they're um so like i said when you look at your walls you're going well it could be in a couple of uh, people in here as well you know a couple of yeah. entries into it uh the next award we're going to give out is the most improved who in the last 12 months in WWE has been the most improved whether it be a single actor or a tag team um so i've actually gone with cedric alexander um for most improved um and i think it's more even the case of you know sort of being given the chance as well because he's such a brilliant wrestler anyway but you know his overall character the way that he's what he's doing with himself with the character i just think he's improved so much um and i feel like there's going to be so much more that he's going to going to bring to this year i think without a doubt i think that's a, a great shout uh my most improved this year is the street profits now mm. they've, they've been great talents uh you know both both these guys but i feel this year is the year where they've come up you know onto the main roster and well not this year obviously but you know they came up to the main roster they they try to find their spot and now they're i think the longest running uh champions you know smackdown they've held the title for you know 250 days they have found that spot where they're reliable tag team they can go in and have great matches and they've improved so much not just in a work wise but in WWE's eyes of going, right, you know, the New Day versus Street Profits, let's get Street Profits victory because we, they are the future compared to what the New Day are of the kind of present and the past. And I think that's why they're most improved, whether it be in ring and what they can do or just their position on the card at this moment in time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right. So then that is most improved for Street Profits. But who was better off last year? Otis. Otis had a Otis was on his way to getting a girlfriend. Otis still had his best mate. Otis didn't have anything being taken away from him. And they were just overall like a good tag team. Um, yeah, he was way better off last year. This year, he's lost a girlfriend. He got a girlfriend and then lost her, lost his best friend, who also turned on him and helped him lose his only one shot at potentially getting a main event shot. So, yeah. Yeah. You would it'd be hard argued to find someone, like I said, lost the tag team partner, lost money in the bank lost everything otis would be a great thing my better off last year is alistair black oh yeah see i was gonna include him but then i also was like but i feel like if we're doing someone who's still on tv i should go with otis but he really was uh one of the runners up in my choice there i I think with alistair black losing his wife (laughs) losing his his entrance losing his character losing direction uh, yeah, being made to look like a pirate. I mean, Alistair Black was one of the coolest characters in no, WWE. No he, it, no, he is the reason I started. I picked up NXT and started watching it. Right. You so, know, so 
was so disappointed when I saw him get, you know, that main roster call up. I was so excited. I just felt bad for him because, you know, if anything, I'm really even sad that, you know, he requested to go back to NXT and was denied. Like, what what have you done for him on, on the main roster, you know? Well, this is the thing. And even a Money in the Bank victory would play so well because then he could say, mm-hmm. all I need is one black mass kick. And you can imagine him with the suitcase and, and you know, putting yeah. it down and saying, there you go. And then just hitting the kick. And there were so many ways of them... Obviously, if WWE are going, well, even we've not, with, even though they've created a character, we're going, this is not the character we want him to be. We want him to do this. We want, I mean, he beat AJ in February, like we talked about yeah. at the Lemesh Chamber or March. Exactly. And then just, you know. And then and, just had this really odd feud with, was it Kevin Owens that he had the feud with? Yeah, when he had the, the eye patch it and then he lost the eye like and then it came back. Baby. You know, it's, it's for Alistair Black. Uh, again, I. One of these things, going back to, you know, AEW fans, wherever it is, are going, all oh, these guys would be much better than AEW. I think with Alistair Black, maybe it'd be better away think, from WWE. Do you know what? I, I I really wouldn't mind if he'd, like, just, you know, kind of left his, con- uh, got his, left, went to AEW, and, you know, maybe he became the new leader of the Dark Order, you know, and have him go all out and do whatever he wants to do. Um, but, yeah, I just think he'd be given so much more creativity and more freedom in the, a- the, in the likes of AEW. We can call him Alistair Dark. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I actually love that. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, back to the awards. And we just had Beckroth last year. Well, who is the most overrated wrestler on the WWE roster? Randy Orton. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the only and best and the only answer I can give you. It's the correct answer. Randy Orton is the most overrated on the WWE roster. It's my pick as well. But what makes Randy Orton so overrated? I I, I feel like it's his his overall character. Uh, he like he just kind of comes across even when he gets into those main event feuds it's almost like he places himself himself above everyone else even when he has like you know losing streaks to the likes of either edge or even keith lee from last year and i just feel like you know especially once reviewing all of these different pay-per-view events for that for last year uh he really was involved in so many feuds that was unnecessary and the other thing I, I dislike about Randy Orton, dislike about most wrestling, is the fact they go, oh, look at him. Look how slow and methodical he is. And they say, yeah. like, well, with a great wrestler, you don't have to do a lot, but you have to do something. And you can't just do the same things all the time and be slow in between it. You know, the amount of shit John Cena's had for being a five or six, you know, move guy, you know, five yeah. moves of doom and all this stuff. Randy Orton... It's not that different, you know. He he really isn't, and I have to agree with you on that. You kind of, after after a while, when you're watching him in matches, you can kind of pick up a sort of structure as to what either what he's planning to do next or where the match is going. Yeah, he's a bell end, isn't he? That's what <laughs> <laughs> he really is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we move on. Our next award is for move of the year, whether it be a singular move that you've been impressed with. Or someone's move. Uh, my one would be the Meteora from uh, Sasha Banks. 
Uh, that move is incredible. Uh, the double knees coming down, looking like you're crushing the face. If I was going to uh, use that as an example of a match against Bailey at Hell in a Cell, where she looked like she crushed her face. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That looks painful. So that is my move of the year. What's your move of the year? Uh, so I went with Shayna Baszler's Kirafuda clutch because that that move just looks devastating. It looked devastating whenever Samoa Joe used to do it, and you know Shayna Baszler basically won her way to through Elimination Chamber with that move. Um, so she, it came across so dominant, and when you see Shayna use it in in matches even now, you just know no, that's it. You're done for it. It's over. You're not getting out of that. So well, I I feel with the women's division. And again, with the move sets and stuff like that, I feel they're better moves. You know, you talk about like uh, the Kirifuda clutch and we've got the disarmer, obviously, with the, the figure eight. Uh, mm-hmm. This uh, bank statement, uh, the, the Bailey to Bailey, the, all these kind of moves. And you're going like, OK, what's Matt Riddle's finisher? Uh, we, oh, something with bro in it, I think, you know, or Xavier Woods. And hey, it kind of... This? What is Matt Riddle's finisher? <laughs> bro, bro to sleep, bro Tom. It could be anything, you know, oh, like. Oh uh, yeah, or is it a bro kick? Yeah, you know, and but it's this is the thing, isn't it? Whereas the women, I think, are there, and you go, oh, I know exactly what kind of. Mo-. It's like even Lacey Evans, the women's right. Uh, you kind of yeah. always know yeah. what they're. I want to to even Ember Moon and her eclipse because oh. like she, she she flies and it looks devastating every time she she comes down. So. And um and Rhea Ripley's Riptide that yeah. looks painful as hell. But it's seeming like the, the Storm Zero, you know, and, and, and with Tony Storm and people like that as well. You know, you kind of got these moves where you go, well, we know exactly what you're about. Um, but anyway, move on to move, and we'll move on to one to watch. So who's the one to watch in 2021 in WWE? Okay, so I wasn't sure whether or not you were uh, doing it in terms of category or not. So I picked a male and a female. Um, so. Uh, if we're talking overall, I'm going to go with the female, and I think it's Shayna Baszler. I think she still has a lot more uh, to show, um, and I feel like they really could let loose, especially now that she's not in a, the title picture with Nia anymore. Yeah, no, I think that's... Uh, go with? Who is your male one to watch for the year? Um, Apollo Crews. Because of, like, I just really feel like there's just something with him. And now that we've got Big E as the Intercontinental t- Champion, I was super excited at hearing like Apollo Crews being like, yes, I want to take you on and stuff like that. Because he's such a, he, he, he always delivers in the ring, Apollo Crews. And I think that if they actually just give him that chance, he, he really is one to watch. He could go far. Yeah, I think without a doubt, you know, like I said, a fantastic talent. I think my one to watch this year is someone who is ready and just needs to be put in a certain position. And it's not Ray Ripley, even though you could say it's that. My one to watch this year is Bianca Belair. Uh, I feel she is on the precipice of something great. And I think we've seen her in action recently. Is She's crisp. She knows what she's doing. She's got power. There's, there's nothing that woman can't do. You know, you talk about what they do in NXT. I'm so behind her. I loved everything that they've done with between her and Bailey so far. Just even sort of just small little feuds like that. Everything is working with her. And I just really hope, like you said, they don't drop the ball because she really is going to be a big deal. I mean, you know, you talk about a couple of big victories. I mean, it's coming up and, you know, I would count her maybe as, as one of the favourites going into this. And I feel a couple of massive victories over a star as, you know, Sasha Banks or a Bailey can really make 2021 a year to remember. If I'm going to say this now, 
and I really hope that it comes true. But my prediction for Royal Rumble, last two women in the ring, is Shayna and Bianca Belair. I really hope that happens. Now that, we've heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Underrated. Who is the most underrated wrestler? Well, my one personally is people might not agree with it, but I don't care. Uh, because I'm saying it is the Miz. I can understand why. I can understand. I, I genuinely like the Miz, although I don't like the storyline that, that they've re- just given him back the money in the bank. But that part aside, consistency-wise, I can understand why you've you've chosen the Miz. Well, when's the last time the Miz had a serious injury? You know, when's the last time the Miz had to miss? You know, had to miss any time from tv and whether it will be a really great storyline with like a, a rivalry with like daniel bryan or some shit that he's thrown into with with otis or you know the stuff he's done doing morrison he's making it work and i think that level of consistency for you know when they said oh, it's been 10 years since he was WWE champion and so for 10 years he reached the top of the mountain and did he once bitch or moan and say oh i deserve another opportunity no he's just been given you know, multiple tag team titles, multiple US titles in the Connell Championships. And I don't think there's many other on the roster that will be able to handle it. And when you throw in like the kind of reality shows and all the other publicity he does on the side, I think Miz is so underrated because I think people I don't still don't think he gets the respect he deserves. No, I, I do agree with you there. And I said that to my sister before that I, I feel like he should be uh commended a lot more for, for than what he has although he wasn't my choice i do agree with yours um but my choice was uh cesaro right yeah just like again every match that he has been in like i sit there and i go why is this guy not being featured more why is this not guy not going up in main in more main events every time he seems to be in the ring he reminds people how good he is and I just think that he really is severely underrated. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. All right, we're ha- heading in now to the kind of big awards, so to speak. Uh, but we have got uh, another award, which would be quite interesting. is entrance of the year. What has been your favourite entrance uh, of, of this year or, or someone's favourite entrance? I think my one personally, and I had to think about this because obviously with the uh, with COVID and the way the Performance Centre is set up, I do like McIntyre with a sword into the stage. Uh, mm-hmm. if I'm worried about kids grabbing knives and practicing it in the kitchen. Uh, I would say my favourite entrance of this year has got to be Untaker because it was his last ever entrance. Yeah. Um, so I didn't actually... Um, so I, When I was thinking about this, I really couldn't come up with anyone else that I could top this. And so it might be going a bit against the rules, but I, I've chosen someone from NXT and it's... <gasps> <laughs> I, I, i'm so in love with bronson reed's uh entrance um like you know sort of the the highlights of him coming out and stuff like that um so i wasn't actually sure whether or not we were including any of that in there but i could only think of bronson reed yeah that, i mean red xt i mean like personally i think the entrance they do we talked about alistair black and where he had the nakamura and even like um you know carrying cross and stuff like this uh but with WWE, you kind of don't really get the great entrances now. Do you I mean we're saying? Um, no, you know, it's, a shame. it's a shame. But in terms of main roster, I think Drew McIntyre is a really good one. Yeah, but I think seeing the Undertaker coming down the entranceway that one last time, even though it won't be the last time, even, you know, pretend he's yeah. coming down for the last time and having a look at the ring. 
uh, and being quite emotional there. All right, we'll move on to the big ones now. That was was sort of like, you know, one for its music. Then I'd actually say Shayna Baszler's um, entrance because I really do like her music. I think it it kind of suits her. Like you hear that music, you you hear Shayna. So, uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, if I was to choose someone from main roster, maybe Shayna's because I liked her music. I was trying to think of the music I liked. Uh, has there been anybody in WWE? I don't think the mu- I don't want to sound like an old man. You know what music ain't what it used to be. But I, I feel like with that uh, Maverick and Killian Dane's uh, theme song on NXT at this moment is brilliant because him trying well, to get Dane to clap along. oh my gosh that's hilarious you know anyway uh we'll move on to the big awards now and the next one is the tag team of the year who has been the best tag team in WWE these past 12 months okay so i i i had to think really hard for this one and it was a struggle but i am going with the new day and it was a struggle but i'm gonna go with the new day because you know they as a as a whole team the trio you know they've they've been torn apart they've come back together they've been torn but they kept you know kept us all entertained this year and you know even outside of it still showing a tag team as a as a tag team on social media as well um so overall i i chose them yeah i think 10 time champions and biggie you know leaving the group it's going to be tough but i think you know the matt talent that these two guys have got uh, but my tag team of the year is the team who's the most improved as well. And that is the Street Profits. Again, the yeah. Street Profits have been given time and every one of their matches, even though the tag team division doesn't mean much to WWE. I think when you've got the book, uh, bookends of uh, New Day and Street Profits, I think that is two guys, uh, two teams that can prop up the division. And like I said, the best on Raw and the best on SmackDown there as well. Yeah, I mean, as I said, it was it was a tough decision on that one because they it was between New Day and Street Profits. But I think, yeah, because of, you know, sort of like the the return of Xavier Woods, uh, uh, you know, the sort of the comeback and, and, you know, how positive they still are. They are the type of group that just never need to change. Um, and I just kind of love every single one of them as individuals as well as the tag team. So that's why they got my vote this year. I think without a doubt. All right, up next we have got, well, it's kind of two that can be similar in a certain way. We've got Rivalry of the Year and we've got Storyline of the Year. Now I've gone for two separate ones. Uh, so my yes, first. Mine's is the same one, so I'll go, let's listen to yours first. Right, my Storyline of the Year is Roman Reigns' head of the table. Ever since Reigns coming back at um, SummerSlam. He has been something else, working at a different level to most of the people on the roster Mm -hmm. and bringing in Uso into it, bringing in McIntyre like he did for Survivor Series and now with Kevin Owens. There's so much more that can be done with that storyline. I think it's one of the best, not only done this year, personally, in years as well. Yeah, I I do agree with you there. And um, it was a close call on that one and in terms of what I had written down. But I, like I said, I overall kind of, have the same one for both so what would you say was your rivalry of the year my rivalry year is sasha banks versus bailey yeah so what is your rivalry and storyline of the year uh sasha banks and bailey both of them um i couldn't help but have to put them as both and i think it's because i i've personally felt like the rivalry of the year wouldn't have worked without the storyline of the year um when it when it came to sasha and bailey um so 
it, it kind of felt only right that I, I give them both uh, that one. And especially because I have been a fan since them in NXT. Um, and it is just this build up, this feud has been building up for years between them. So the payoff was really kind of well done, well executed. And both women are amazing. Yeah, I think without a shadow of a doubt, when you talk about what they delivered and especially with rivalries as well, where, you know, maybe the, the storyline, the build up to it is so good and then they don't deliver. I think that Hell in the Cell match, I think they just showed, you know, who the two best women in WWE are right here, yeah. right now in that matchup. I think there's no doubt. Um, but that moves on to Woman of the Year, overall Woman of the Year. Uh, I don't think it's going to be any surprise by my count. I am going for Sasha Banks. Yeah, and I don't think that there's going to be any surprise on my account either. I am going for Oscar. Um, <laughs> I, I personally, I was thinking Sasha, but the reason why I went with Oscar is because Oscar really pretty much has delivered consistently from January all the way to December. And she's really helped carry this division um, throughout the toughest of of times during the COVID era. So for me, overall, I think Oscar was the, was the woman that shone this year. I think Oscar shone, but I think WWE's problem is not knowing what to do with Oscar or being so comfortable with her. They can put in a position where they go, right, you can handle this because it's not the top story on WWE, but, you know, it's a safe pair of hands. Look at the tag team title you know, range she's got with Charlotte now. I think with Banks, why it's my pick is because with Becky Lynch not being around and Charlotte taking an extended lead, it's great yeah. to see two other women, even though it's the four horse women, I know people might have problems with that, to have Tasha Banks step up and this is a yeah. true boss character. You know, we talk about <laughs> NXT, we talk about what she was like and we talk about her making, you know, the statement she has. Uh, gets the the chemistry she's had with Oscar has been second to none in their in their matches and against Bailey yeah. she uh, absolutely no they stole the show and I think she's standing at the moment head and shoulders are, are above the rest of the division at this moment in time. I do agree with you there and I also just have to kind of you know this is coming from a personal opinion again but I do feel like you know there there's not four horsewomen there are five and I do think Oscar is that unsung hero that doesn't get as much as the credit as she deserves um as I do feel like she's a, a horsewoman in, in her own right but I agree that I feel like um WWE have just been too comfortable with just leaving Oscar kind of just off to do her thing as and when rather than actually showcasing all of her talents um that being said Either way, I think both women could both be in continued matches together, and I would love love every single match. They both bring so much uh, to to their characters as well as to the ring. Um, you can't go no wrong. No, I completely agree with you there. All right, we've got four more wars to go. Of course, the three big ones. But up next, it's the man of the year. So who's been the best man of WWE, so to speak, this year? So I have given that to our tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Um, his his whole character change, uh, the character development, having him go away and then come back so unexpectedly. And ever since then, you know, not even just show dominance within the locker room, like showing dominance at, um, within his own family, just everything that he's brought to it. it it's just been great. So um, overall, he's man of the year. I'm going to say my man of the year is Drew McIntyre. Now, Roman Reigns, again, if Reigns had maybe returned in 
May time, then he probably would have got the award. But I think with McIntyre, when you think about what he did at the Royal Rumble to start off the year, to continue at WrestleMania, to have great matches against Rollins and, and Ziggler and, and, and et al., and then leading here as WWE champion again, I think there's no doubt that 2020 has been the year of McIntyre. In, and it's just a shame that there's fans there to, to kind of see him dominating the way he has because let's not forget the very first British man to win the W champion very first British man to hold the W title twice and I think he is one of the faces of the company now as well yeah yeah I agree with you there all right we've got three more awards left we've got a match overall wrestler and pay-per-view so we'll do pay-per-view first so what was your pay-per-view of the year for WWE so overall I did go with SummerSlam and I think that is predominantly because of I felt that was the most exciting out of all of the uh, TLC, um, uh, apart from TLC, uh, that was the most exciting out of the pay-per-views. I'm going to pick the Royal Rumble uh, as itself because it's a bit cheating because obviously we had 42,000 fans there. But I think with the, yeah. the crowd, the atmosphere, uh, well, what happened in the men's Royal Rumble match as well is something that stuck with me for, you know, that's said 12 months now as we head into the next Royal Rumble. Yeah. So that's why Royal Rumble is my pay-per-view of the year. Uh, and then we have got overall wrestler. So man, woman, not child, but who is your overall wrestler of 2020 in WWE? Shock and no surprise, but Oscar. I think that would be fair to say. Uh, overall wrestler for me is Drew McIntyre. We talk about, you know, everything he's done this year. Uh, it would be a travesty if he wasn't the overall wrestler. Because, you know, 2020 is going to be looked back on in so many different ways. And I think the guy kind of holding the the torch, so to speak, and, and lighting the way throughout 2020 has been Drew McIntyre. Yeah. All right. So one award left, and that is match of the year. So what is your match of the year? Um, I did the uh, Roman Reigns and Jay Uso I quit match. I feel like that one was just kind of really hard hitting. And so I decided to go with that one. I think that'd be fair to say. I think my one may be not like the best in-ring action, but I feel my match of the year is a match that I went into where it was two of the guys at the top of the game. And I'm going, I'm not sure who's going to win it here because you've got Roman Reigns, of course, Universal Champion, Drew McIntyre's WWE Champion. What would happen? Well, these two men went to war. And I think out of all the matches I've seen this year, this was the first one where it was like, the main guys, we're not sure who's going to win this is a proper main event match, and I think that's why yeah. uh, McIntyre Reigns will be my match of the year. Oh, nice. I think that's it. So what are your thoughts on the WNR awards, and are you happy about your picks? I'm happy with my picks. I had to change one of them, but I'm also not um, um, mad at that either, mm-hmm. so I'm still happy with my picks. Well, I think that's not bad at all. And uh, finally, what are your hopes for 2021 with WWE? I just hope that they... they get out of this stigma of only having a select few that they need to push. I hope that they start having a bit more of an open mind now towards uh, the wrestlers that have worked very hard um, in the past year and actually start showcasing off and giving more, more opportunity where it's deserved. I think without a doubt, well, that is it. That is brilliant. Don't forget, we're across all social media, Twitter at the WNR podcast. I'm at the WNRJR. A follower is Sarah Hendry. Uh, do you want to plug yourself on Twitter? Yep. Um, so my Twitter name is Jaxie Scarlett, and it's the same for Instagram at Jaxie Scarlett. Thank you. 
Well, make sure to check her out there across all Google platforms. Send us an email at WNRpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram and Facebook as well. And YouTube, the WNR Podcast, where we got the same time on YouTube as we do SoundCloud on your phone. Also, Stitcher Radio and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. So that is it. Our next episode is The Mind of Monty returning for NXT New Year's Evil. Uh, but today I've had the pleasure to be joined by uh, Jaxie Scarlett. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I have. Thank you so much for featuring me yet again. No problems. And you'll be back for the Royal Rumble at the start of February as well, yeah? I'm really hoping so because I need to actually prove myself right in my statement and what I said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got, got it on tape now so you can't uh, yeah. lie about it. It's got to happen. There's a lot of pressure there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, just like to say to everybody listening as well, thank you very much for your support in 2020 for the WNR podcast. Of course, we had a few changes, but as 2021 uh, begins, we're hoping to bring you all the action. Like I said, Jackson will be back for the Rumble event. But until then, I have been James Rowlands and I was joined by... Oh, Rowena at, at Jaxie Scarlett. Please do follow me where you can. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. <laughs>